0: But at the same time, like, you know, or I also shared the example of, you know, we have this was a different situation. You have the parent conference, you know, up until that point i I've communicated through email, communicated by phone, everything's great. Oh, we love you. We love you. Great, great, great. Have the conference. They see my face, reach out to shake their hand. And there's that casual, oh, I didn't see your hand, but yes, I did. But nobody else knows what happened in the room except me and that person. And you're like. Okay. All right. I know what's going on here. And, you know, you, and it's easy to become frustrated by it, but again, you have to know people, people are going to do the things that they do is how you respond to it. And so it doesn't mean that you just kind of never say anything, but you have to know, is this one of those times where it, where I should say something and, you know, point the situation out, or is it better for my own peace of mind, you know, for me to just, you know what, let me let that one go because it it happens so often that sometimes we almost become desensitized to it.
1: Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, the show that's all about helping you develop the skills and insights you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers and talent, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. This episode is part of a special edition series on the podcast I'm doing for Black History Month called Listen to Them, where Black talent and consumers share their real life stories and perspectives on working in teams and inclusive marketing. When this goes live, we are in Black History Month 2023, but the content is relevant always, especially when you consider how important it is to engage with underrepresented and underserved communities you're working to woo all year long. I also want to note that while the episodes in the series focus on Black talent and consumers, the insights you'll glean from their stories can help you as you work to serve talent and consumers from other marginalized communities as well. who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. When my daughter was one, she went through a bit of a pinching phase. My mom was on the receiving end of many of those pinches. Now, you wouldn't think that a pinch, let alone a pinch from a baby, would cause any damage. But my mom told me that she looked at her arm after those pinches and had a big, giant bruise. I often think of microaggressions as like those little pinches, and sometimes even slaps or punches. I'm Sonia Thompson, an inclusive brand coach and strategist, and in this special edition episode of the Inclusion and Marketing podcast— you're gonna hear firsthand accounts of microaggressions people have experienced. Here's the official definition of a microaggression. A statement, action, or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group, such as a racial or ethnic minority. Microaggressions are often unintentional. However, intent is never a marker of success or not. It's how we make others feel. So even if you had good intentions, if the recipient of an action feels harmed, then harm was caused. And that is a place we build and work from to do better in the future. It should also be noted that there are times when people deliver microaggressions and have no idea that they are. They have no idea of the impact that it has on others because in many instances, the recipient of the microaggression doesn't say anything. As the world starts to become more diverse and our teams and the people we work with start to become more diverse, stamping out microaggressions becomes critical in your efforts to make everyone on your team and the people you serve feel like they belong with you. Learning about the microaggressions people experience, how they make them feel, and the impact of microaggressions on working relationships and team dynamics is a great start toward rooting them out of your culture. Let's listen in on some stories.
0: So at uh, at the time when I was transitioning from relaxed, chemically straightened hair to I was wearing braids. And so I remember the first day that I came in with, with braids in, some people in my building, they were like, oh my gosh, you look so different. Can I touch your hair? And even then, like because I know those people, it didn't bother me, but I knew that if they had said that to someone that they didn't know, it would have been taken differently. <laughs> but yeah. they're like, oh, can I touch it? You're very
2: articulate. Like, why wouldn't I be? It's just, it's a, to me, it's annoying. It's, it's the most annoying thing. And it's not even at work all the time. It's outside of work. Uh, I had it in, in high school. Oh, you speak so well. How should I speak? How? What did you expect? Did you expect me to not know English properly? Did you expect me to talk like I'm a dope dealer? No disrespect to dope dealers, but there's a certain lingo when you're in a certain environment and you speak whatever, Ebonics, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, I'm enunciating all of my words. So you enunciate your words and I enunciate my words, but why do I speak Well, why? Is it because I have melanated skin or you had just expected something less than intelligence
0: to come out of my mouth? I had a student in my class, we had a conference. The student was doing better in my class and failing everybody else's. But once they had seen my face, that was no longer unacceptable and that child was no longer in my class. And so, but yet they stayed in the places where they were unsuccessful. And, and they were
1: like, wait, wait, (laughs) let me clarify. The, the student was unsuccessful, but they were successful in your class. When the parents saw that you were black, the student was moved from your class.
0: Yes. And stayed in the places where they were unsuccessful. And there was no reason given, oh, the parent just, you know, thought this would be the best move. You know, that type of thing, because, you know, how do you explain that? But at the same time, like, you know, or I also shared the example of, you know, we have, this was a different situation. You have the parent conference, you know, up until that point I've communicated through email, communicated by phone, everything's great. Oh, we love you, we love you, great, great, great. Have a conference, they see my face, reach out to shake their hand, and there's that casual, oh, I didn't see your hand, but yes, I did, but nobody else knows what happened in the room except me and that person, and you're like, okay. All right. I know what's going on here. And you know, you it, and it's easy to become frustrated by it, but again, you have to know people people are going to do the things that they do. It's how you respond to it. And so it doesn't mean that you just kind of never say anything, but you have to know is this one of those times where it where I should say something and, you know, point the situation out or is it better for my own peace of mind you know, for me to just, you know what, let me let that one go. Because it it happens so often that sometimes we almost become desensitized to it. And then later you think you're like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. And I mean, you could just be upset and bothered all the time. And so you kind of have to decide what are those things you just brush off? And what are those things that you, you know, say or do something about? I want to say recently,
3: probably a couple of months, we was at a, a team out my branch, had a lunch. And I don't want to put it as a race thing, but I, I took it, I took offense to it because we was all having a good time. And then we was, came down and like taking a picture. And then, so she said, it came out of nowhere and in front of the two supervisors. Hey, Brenda, why are you trying to touch my hand? I'm married. And then, so it caught me off guard additionally. And then my first reaction was, so again, let her have it. But then I didn't want to come at like I'm the angry person. And then I just simply said that I didn't. I didn't try to touch a hand. I don't want to. I'm not trying to get no sexual no harassment charge or nothing like nothing like that. And I just left it cool. But then as the day progressed, and I'm thinking about it, I'm just like that. There's there's so many avenues. Like what if they would have took that as a, a serious thing that I was really trying to. Rub on her hand, knowing that she's married. The supervisor brought me in the office, and there was a lot of cases. Then you mentioned um, when I think of Emmett Till, what happened? The the white woman basically cried, cried wolf, that he whistled at her, and he, and he didn't, and then that had serious repercussions. So that that's kind of where my head was thinking when she said that.
1: Oh wow. Okay. So um she's a white woman, just to clarify. Yeah. yeah. I wanna pause here and go back to this reference of Emmett Till. For some, what this woman said about him trying to touch her hand may have been harmless. But for this gentleman sharing his story, he's carrying the baggage in his mind of an event that happened in 1955 as a reason why her actions were serious and harmful. Emmett Till was a 14-year-old African-American kid from Chicago who went on a family vacation to visit relatives in Mississippi. While he was there, he was accused of flirting with a married white woman by the name of Carolyn Bryant, who said he whistled at her. A few days later, Bryant's husband and his half-brother abducted Emmett Till, tortured, shot, and lynched him. They were acquitted of the crime. Decades later, Carolyn Bryant admitted her claims against the young boy were false. At Till's funeral his mother demanded an open casket so as not to hide his mutilated body and to send a message, focus attention and spark outrage about what happened to her son.
4: I'm going to go back to the hair because that just we it happened to me in the current position that I am that I'm in now about touching the hair. They don't know that it's not okay. They meaning people that are not black that it's not okay to just touch your hair and you know like make a like inappropriate comments about it like oh like you for in black culture you don't just run your finger your fingers through anybody's hair but then the I had a somebody in leadership just recently ran her fingers through my hair in, a, in an attempt to try to help me right like my I guess my hair was sticking out and she did that but the same person would never run their hands through somebody else's hair but what makes it okay to do that to me right? right whether you whether you know it's real or not those are the things that we have to do because we change our hair a lot right so those are some of the things like, that was an example of other things that we have to deal with the talk like walking into a room and saying good morning to everybody but then when you get to the black persons it's hey girl what's up and it's like well, you didn't say hey girl what's up to to her why you hey girl and what's up to me you know So those are the, like, the small things, but that are noticeable. Like, you change the way that you talk when you talk to me. Like, I'm not professional because I I hold, like, a, you know, like, a certain degree. I would think that you would go out of your way to talk a little bit more professional to me, but you dummy it down to talk to me instead of speaking to me the way that you speak to the next person. I'm certain I
5: have. Like, I guess, right, it's like even... Now, like I'm thinking about like microaggressions or is it just someone's personality as, you know, but I guess like a microaggression I've experienced is like, I'll say something like, you know, I'll, I'll say a word or like to describe something and like someone will chime in to like explain what I said. And it's like, I think everyone can understand what I said. Like, it's not like I need your help to explain my, you know, what I said to them or use another word to describe it or try to like correct The word that I said that, what I said is just fine. It's not like I needed to be corrected, but you had to add your two cents in about it or whatever. Yeah, I think the thing of being corrected when it's like that didn't need to be corrected, I don't need to be corrected. Or like microaggression of like, you know, there's majority of white people in this space and everyone's getting introduced and then I don't get included in that. So I have to, you know, I'll put myself out there, whatever. But it's just like, why am I being left out of the circle? We're all here, that sort of thing. I can go down the list. Probably till this day, the biggest thing I get is, "Are you old enough to be doing this?" or "Are you old enough to be giving me this advice?" Um, or "You look really young." Yeah, and I was having a conversation recently. Why is it? Why are you so comfortable to approach me and ask me if my hair is real? Like, why is that okay?
1: Did some has somebody okay. asked you that? Has somebody done that?
5: Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Um, because of you know the all racist. Taking into weaves and extensions and braids and everything else. And so now it's socially okay to ask an intrusive, inappropriate question that way. What if I don't want you to know about my hair? What if it is real and I don't want you to know that either? What if I don't want to talk about it, you know? And so those are other things. And, and these, are, these are the most fresh on my mind, just surrounding physical appearance.
1: Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Or could it be Don? Or John? Or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, for the first time ever. With an AI powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross sell. Also you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. As you can see, microaggressions are varied. Sometimes they come off as jokes, but to the recipient, it isn't funny. Other times it comes off as questioning someone unnecessarily. And still other times it's in making inappropriate comments about someone's appearance or violating their personal space or body. As mentioned earlier, even though the impact of microaggressions is felt by the recipient, the person delivering it may not even know the impact they are having on others. And people on the receiving end often grapple with whether or not to say something and when.
2: Depends on where I'm at. If I'm at work, kind of have to... Not pass, not give it a pass, but just kind of walk away, control my response only because I might say something that will cause me to get myself into some trouble I don't want to be in. I mean, rolling my eyes depends on if I'm not at work so much, but if I'm out in public, it's just like, you know, shaking your head. Because I don't want to say you get used to it, but it becomes the norm so to speak. So it's just like, whatever, move on. It happens all the time, but we shouldn't feel like that. But in reality, it is, that's kind of where I'm at unless you're just going to be blatantly disrespectful. Then that's another reaction.
4: I call it as it comes and that that came with time because you especially if it's somebody in leadership position, like you're just like, oh, no, I, I don't want to create these issues or these problems. But I learned that you got to call it right when it happens. Like And the way that I did it when she ran her fingers through my hair was like that immediate response of what do you think you're doing? You don't, do, you know, and it wasn't the most tactful way to do it. But then I had to have a conversation with her like, OK, I, I was wrong in my delivery. However. It's like if a guy comes up to you and grabs your butt, you're not going to be like, can you please don't touch my butt, right? It was just that immediate reaction, but you have to call it as it comes to address it. So that way it doesn't happen again, because I can guarantee you she won't run her fingers through my hair again, you know. Or if you're switching, code switching, like how you talk with me, calling that as it happens too. Why are you talking to me like that, but you didn't talk to them like that? You got to call it on them every single time. So that's how I deal with it. I got to We got to talk about it. Let's have these conversations. How has the response been? It's hit or miss. You know, it's just like, oh, well, actually her response to me initially was, well, I was trying to help you out. So now you're trying to play victim because I put you on blast. Right. But then there are some people that are just like, I had no idea, you know, so there's both. There's the, they're like oh I'm offended but then there's some like thanks
5: for telling me that I had no idea um I usually just like take note of it in the moment and I'll let someone have like you can have it now but like I'm definitely aware of it in the future if it happens again I mean it's probably just my passive aggressive way of just responding to it or like oh yeah like you know just making them aware of like what I said was fine or is like yeah that's what I just said or just something like that like so we're They're also realizing it's, I don't know if it's like, they realize what they're doing, but it's just, I feel like I have to somehow get the last word in after or just, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't really know how I respond to them either. I don't know if I really am, you know?
1: So sometimes it's like you do whenever you're saying like, I didn't need to be corrected. And then other times it's, I'm going to take a note to see how you are with other people or how you are with me in the future. Like in the case of them not introducing you.
5: Yeah, right. Just be more proactive in that way. I guess like I I'm a, can do a little tit for tat. So if I see an opening for an opportunity as well, just like throw it back at them at those times. And so that's kind of like my way of dealing. It's like, oh, all right, this how we want to be? Sure. If this is the dynamic now, I can do that too, you know.
0: But, you know, you have to you have to learn to recognize or at least assume what is the person's intent behind it. And often There is no harm meant, but at the same time, it can still, to the wrong person, it could be taken that way. For example, um, last year, I had a conversation with a coworker and very kind of, she was reflecting out loud and she said, you know, I, I learned recently that you're not allowed to say that you sound articulate because people might be offended by it. And so I thought for a few seconds because she was really kind of musing out loud and it was more directed to another person, but I happened to be in the room. So there was a little bit of a pause and I was like, do I say something? Do I not say something? Do I say something? Do I not say something? Especially because the person that she was more so talking to was not a person of color. And so finally I was like, well, you know, here's, here's how to think about that. I said, if you don't know a person And after an initial meeting, you're saying, oh, you sound articulate. The message that that conveys is that you didn't expect them to be, which is why it can be received as being offensive. I said, but if it's somebody that you know and you know well and you're saying, you know what, we've got to do this presentation. And out of the two of us, you can articulate your thoughts a little bit better than I can. I think you should be the one to to do this pitch, even though we worked on it together. Well, that's not going to be taken as an insult because they're just saying, this is an area you have a skill in. And, and she was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I get it. I, <laughs> you know, and so so it's just, it's kind of navigating in those spaces. Like, when do you let people say things that shows their bias or lack of understanding and just let it go? And when do you insert yourself and, and say something to further their understanding and it really does come from, where is this person? What is, what is their purpose in saying what they said? Like Because some people will intentionally say things to be mean, and then other people are genuinely just trying to figure it out. And if somebody is just trying to figure it out, I'm going to help them to understand because they may not have had experiences or opportunities that would even present them with thinking about things in a different way that's different than from their own personal experience.
1: No matter how microaggressions come, they have the power to negatively impact team dynamics or the deepening of relationships.
5: I'm very picky about when I put my, myself in position, like communication or being around them. It's like definitely it's people I have to continue to be in meetings with or interact with here and there, but I really only do that when I have to. And then outside of that, I, I don't really interact. Or like I also try to sometimes like, Always be the bigger person and like continue to like just show up as a, a normal person and not show that I'm bothered by those actions and that I'm kind of I'm bigger than those actions. And like at the end of the day, you'll kind of be the only one looking like you have a problem with me. So I, I choose to like just stay above it in a way. When they go low, we go high. Yeah. You
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> if on a somewhat regular basis, you got pinched, slapped or punched, I'll bet you would actively look for ways to protect yourself and or look for opportunities to remove yourself from the situation. It's the same thing for people who are often on the receiving end of microaggressions at work. They make belonging elusive and give people real reasons to shut down and look for opportunities elsewhere. To close out this episode, remember that we all have a role to play in stamping out microaggressions. First, we can all take responsibility to better understand how to relate, communicate, and interact with people who are different from us in a manner that makes everyone comfortable. Second, we can be open to receiving feedback and not responding in a defensive way if someone does offer you the gift of explaining why something you did or said caused them harm in some way. And a third way is by being vigilant about calling out microaggressions that you witness. How you do it is up to you, but the more advocates and allies there are that will use their voice to stand up for others, the easier it becomes to create an environment where microaggressions are not only not tolerated, but non-existent. I want to make sure you're clear on what actions you can take based upon the learnings provided from the people I talk to, from this episode as well as others in this series. So I also wanna provide a space to talk about and process what you heard. So at the end of this month, February 22nd through 24th, I'll be hosting a three-day live virtual event where I'll walk you through next steps and an action plan, so to speak, to help you make more of the people you serve, both talent and consumers, feel like they belong with you. Go to listentothem.co, that's listentothem.co, where you can find all the details about the workshops and get registered. There, you'll also find all the episodes in this series. That's it for this special edition episode of the Inclusion and Marketing Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would so appreciate it if you would share it with a friend so we can all work together to stamp out microaggressions. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.